Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting story. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 45. guys welcome back to the show hope that you're having a great week um hope that if you're out there still chasing the rut um i can tell you from personal experience that it it's still pretty good uh (laughs) i'm not gonna get too much into that if you follow instagram or facebook you may already know but i have found uh some success but that is all i'm gonna say at this point um the next podcast i do i will go ahead and do uh the story of what happened this past sunday and it is an incredible (laughs) absolutely incredible story and i cannot wait to tell it but i would like to try and tell that about the same time as whenever i release my video um, and I uh, was able to get some pretty good footage of the whole thing so kind of wanted those two things to coincide so today I decided let's quit making this all about me and if you go back to episode one I said this isn't about me and my stories and I've done that a few times I've told my stories uh, it's about you and the average Joe and, and your stories that you have and there's a guy that I have met uh, a couple years ago and I wanted to get him on the podcast and I saw where he had some success there uh, Uh, about two weeks ago and was able to get a very big mature deer down and um, just super excited for him and he you'll never meet a more humble down-to-earth guy than Perry Copeland and Perry uh, I actually met him a couple years ago through uh, his group called Iron Man Outdoors which he'll tell you about in our interview Um, but I wanted to have him come in Uh, we actually met him at now that I think about it I forgot I met him at a homecoming booth uh, or uh, the, the Barlow Fair is actually what it was now that I think I get all twisted up on these things, but uh, we took our Shedding Light Outdoor booth uh, to a local fair or festival called the Barlow Fair and um, got to meet a lot of local guys there and um, just kind of talk to them about hunting, talk to them about faith and those kind of things. And there's this cool looking dude that came by in like an army jacket and cowboy boots and his name is Perry. And uh, Perry told us about Iron Man and just seemed to be like a guy that we should get to know. And then at our church every February at the end of deer season, we have a big wild game supper and whatever the guys have killed that year and uh, they bring it in. Some guys bring in, they order like exotic alligator bison or whatever and um so a couple years ago we had perry be our keynote speaker and he did such a great job we had him back again this past year and um he's just super nice guy so i thought it'd be good to hear his story he has an incredible story about a buck that he was able to get and kind of brings us through some other things we talk a lot tonight uh today and it's it's a really good one so uh, i will encourage you guys to check out iron man outdoors also uh if you don't follow us you might want to give us a little subscribe on youtube or facebook if you haven't yet um or give us a like and follow uh because that video will be coming out as soon as i can possibly get the time to do it um (laughs) and also So the next podcast, I'll tell you my story. But today, this is about Perry and his story. So without further ado, Perry Copeland. Hey, Perry, how's it going, man? I'm doing really well. How are you, Travis? Uh, Doing great. How's how's life in Cutler? Cutler, Ohio. (laughs) Well, pretty laid back, as, as they would say. There's not a whole lot going on in Cutler. It's yeah. pretty, pretty rural, pretty remote. Yeah, I've driven through there a few times, and it's kind of one of those, if you blink, you might you might just miss it, so. 
Well, you pretty much have to come here on purpose, and not too many people just happen just happen by in Cutler. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Perry, I'm sure the guests by this point, I've already told them that, you know, you and I, uh, we met a couple years ago at the Wild Game Night, but uh, for anybody that doesn't know you, um, can you give some folks some introductions and, you know, uh, you know, what you do for a living and all that good stuff? Well, sure. Well, I'm going on 57 years old. I grew up out here in southeast Ohio, a little hawking area, and uh, Air Force took me away for a few years, and I lived up in the Dakotas for about nine years, but after 12 years of being gone, I'm, my wife and I and two kids moved back here in 94, and we've pretty much lived out in the Cutler area ever since then, and in 97, I started working as a rural mail carrier in Athens, Ohio, and I've been doing that ever since now, so for a little over 22 years, I've been a rural mail carrier, and my kids are grown and live in Colorado and Texas and we served the Lord at a good local church. And so that's pretty much my, my life in a nutshell. We, yeah. we love doing the things that we do through our church and we love doing the things that uh, the, the Lord allows us to do with hunting and fishing and, you know, just enjoying his creation. So it's, it's, it's a good life. The Lord's been good to us. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I'm not even sure how I came across your name. It might've been through, um, you're part of a, are you still part of a group called Iron Man? I am. Yeah, um, t- tell us a little bit about that. Well, Iron Man Outdoors is a, uh, is a men's outdoor ministry. And our, uh, basically our theme is, is connecting men to Christ through the outdoors. And as you know, through your shedding the light ministry is, is it, it's hard to get guys to come to church and, and, uh, especially men that are outdoors and especially men during hunting and fishing season, which seems to be <laughs> yeah. six, five days a year now. So this Ironman outdoors was started oh, about 12, 13 years ago through Pat by Patrick Tyndall down in Columbia, South Carolina. And he was sitting in a Sunday school class and he just looked around and he said, man, I said, I got a Sunday school class full of women. Where are all the men? And he got the idea to start an outdoor men's ministry and uh, trying to connect men through to Christ through the outdoors. And I've been a part of that for about eight years, as uh, as well as Bill Merriweather, um, a friend of mine in our church. And we we've worked in three. They do retreats. They lease property in in Kentucky, Ohio, uh, South Carolina, uh, Tennessee, and uh, Alabama, Georgia. Texas and and they charge uh, just a nominal fee for men to come on these uh, retreats and to hunt and then we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them and that is the mission is to is to share the gospel and see men get saved and then if uh, they're already uh, know the Lord then we just encourage them to become closer to him and get involved in serving him through their local churches absolutely yeah, I've I've seen. I think I follow uh, Iron Man on uh, Facebook or Instagram, and I see I see those hunts, and they're very very appealing just to go on a hunt like that. And um, I mean, I think you guys have a little bit of everything. It's whitetail, and I've seen some hog hunts. I think, and I don't know what else is that. Are those the two main things? Well, I would say those are the main things. They do a bear hunt in Maine every okay. uh, every June, I believe it is, and then we do. They do some whitetail hunts in Texas, but not many. But most, mostly, are whitetail hunts that uh, center around 
Ohio, right here in Guysville and Athens County. And then um, we do some in Ohio County and Kentucky. But they also do uh, duck hunting retreats. They do, uh, they'll do uh, fishing retreats off the coast of North Carolina, South Carolina, some down in Florida. And we had a really, really exciting thing happen with Ironman Outdoors here just a couple of weeks ago on a retreat in Kentucky. Is there has been a buck that we've had on trail camera down there for three years, and we've been, you know, trying to get one of our guys on the retreat to to get a good shot at him. And of course, you being a whitetail hunter and killed a nice buck yourself just here this week, that uh, know that these big these big bucks don't stay on just your properties, and so he has a tendency to disappear this time of year. And we don't get any trail camera pictures of him. Well. Um, a week and a half ago on a retreat, a man from Alabama with his bow shot this deer and he, he green scored 201 inches. Oh my goodness. Wow. Absolute, an absolute monster. And the Kentucky state record for archery typical deer is 188 inches. And so they're really excited that this deer might break the Kentucky state record for archery typical deer and you don't know yet with all the deductions he but he green scored 201 and an eighth oh wow that is incredible <laughs> so if any, anybody thinks that uh, they're going to go on an iron man outdoors trip and they're just gonna you know it's gonna be a bunch of church guys sitting around and no chance to hunt you, you're mistaken right <laughs> That's correct. and you know we, we say it's not uh, not all about the deer because you know it's it is about getting the the gospel to them and talking to them about lord and about how to be a better a better husband a better father a, yeah. a, a, just a better man of god but we spend the majority of the time hunting and that's what these uh, men come and pay to do and so we do our best we're not um we're not guides we're not uh outfitters but we do know these properties pretty well and they, we've killed some nice bucks and so we do like we spend a lot of time in the woods. Absolutely. Well, that is that is incredible. And, um, uh, you know, I, I want you to explain something real quick, just because since I um, I, haven't, I haven't shared that story on the podcast yet of my buck, uh, but I did come across this um, green score versus, you know, or a wet score. Can you explain that to guys? Anybody that's like me, I was I'm, I had never scored a buck until uh, like yesterday. So what does it mean whenever he's a, a it's a green score or a wet score or something like that, Perry? Well, when you first harvest a deer that and you go to uh, put a tape on him and measure him, it, when they say it's a green score, that just means it's off of a fresh a fresh harvest that after uh, after the you've harvested the animal, they usually wait 90 days before they do an official score. And that gives the, uh, the rack time to cure or dry out and they'll, mm -hmm. and it will sh shrink some. And so they want to make sure that it's down to basically what it's going to score from then on. And so for the record books, they do a, uh, they do a green score just to kind of get an idea of what the deer is. And then after about 90 days, they'll do an official for the record books, uh, score. And so that's kind of, they're going to be waiting on that for that buck down in Kentucky to see if it's going to break any records and okay. things like that. But it's, yeah, it's just waiting for the rack to dry out. 
Gotcha. Okay. And that's something I, I was, I guess I'd never heard of. I've heard of ground shrinkage. That's a little bit different. That's when you <laughs> think you shoot a 160 inch deer and he turns out to be a, you know, 110, but, uh, <laughs> It'd be considerable shrinkage there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Perry, I know, uh, for a fact that you have had some success this year and also in some previous years, but before we get to that, uh, tell us a little bit of kind of like your, your hunting background, how you got into it and, and all that. Well, I, I grew up, we grew up rural, very rural area. And my dad was laid off a lot through the winter. And so he hunted a lot and he took my brother and I, you know, he'd take a squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting. And I started deer hunting, deer hunting back in 1975. So I grew, my uncles hunted. And so it was just, you know, one of those rites of passage. If you were a young boy in our family, you were going to hunt and and uh i really enjoyed it my brother really enjoyed it and so i've been i've been deer hunting for a lot more years than i care to think about but it's something i really enjoy and i've pretty much transitioned into strictly a bow hunter i don't uh i don't very seldom ever take a gun to the woods for deer anymore i just enjoy the close interaction with the deer so i'm i'm pretty much exclusively a a, a bow hunter at this point Mm. Uh, do you remember, uh, the first deer you were able to take with a bow? I, I do. I was living in North Dakota and, uh, it was a 1985, the first, it was first year I bow hunted and I bought a, uh, I think it, a, a bear whitetail or a bear magnum old compound. Well, it was new at the time compound bow from the base exchange. I was in the air force in grand forks and, uh, our, our church had some property that they had about 30 miles from the base. And I went out there and didn't have a tree stand, didn't have anything. I found a deadfall and I just walked up this deadfall and sat down and about 30 minutes here come this little fork torn. And I thought, no, I'll, I'll pass him. Even though it was my first chance with a bow, I'll pass him. And right behind him wasn't two minutes later. Here come this, it was a, a little eight point. He might've scored one ten. And I stopped out in front of me about 20 yards. I put a good shot on him and man, I was, I was about as excited as a person could get for, for a little basket rack eight. I tell you the first one with a bow, you, you just never forget it. The adrenaline that comes with it is absolutely incredible. You know, just, uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody ever tells anybody about the adrenaline rush that comes with, you know, especially with a compound bow, but with anything, a rifle can also get you that, but that is exciting, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I would, I was shaking so bad that if I'd have had to make a second shot, I, I couldn't have hit, I could not have hit a barn at 10 feet. I was shaking so, so, so bad because I knew I made a great shot on him, but there was no way I could have done a follow-up shot if I'd have had to. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So, Perry, uh, you know, as as time goes on, you get into the bow and you kind of keep going. And I'm sure that you've – I know that from pictures that I've seen that some bigger bucks have come your way. So how did things lead up to uh, this year? Well, at this point, I'm when, when it comes to bucks, I'm pretty much a mature whitetail hunter. Now, I don't want anybody to confuse that mean I hunt large racks because I don't. I And most buck hunters and even my friends don't understand. I really am not, don't really care that much about the size of the antlers. It's the size of the animal, the age of the animal. And I've killed a few 
over the years a few four and a half and the buck that i killed this year he's probably five and a half six year six and a half year old deer and and so i'm waiting for a big mature buck to come in and whether he has a big rack on him or not uh you know a, a 120 inch uh eight point that has that's a five and a half year old deer he's just as smart and just as hard to to get close to as a 200 inch five and a half year old deer and so that's kind of what i focus on yeah and, um what yeah. i want to ask a question about that um you know we've talked about that i talked about that i went on a little mini rant on my last podcast <laughs> about uh you know racks and age and those kind of things so perry what for you um what's the appeal of shooting an older deer i think for everybody there's there's different reasons behind it and it kind of has become a really popular thing but uh, i think for each person it might be a little different so what what is the draw to shooting a, a five-year-old as opposed to shooting say a, a three and a half year old for me, it's just the, the, for lack of a better term, the chess match mm-hmm. that you have to play with these big bucks. They've been around so long and, and who knows how many hunters they've encountered, how many hunters they've picked out of tree stands or, or got a smell of, or whatever the case may be, that's got them to the point where they're a mature deer and to, to be able to, to have one come in and give you an opportunity is Either you, you, you did something right or you got really fortunate or the Lord just blessed you with an opportunity. I don't, I don't know what, there's a lot of factors involved and just the excitement of knowing that that big old boy, you know, he just walked in here and to have an opportunity at him when everything's really in his favor, because you're in his, you're in his living room and just to be able to get that close is exciting. And I had that. Friday night, the eighth, I was hunting on a piece of property and that I've hunted before. And I had a, I had a nice eight point. It wasn't as nice as the one I killed this year, but I, I had a nice one came in. He came in at 20 yards. He's a mature deer. He looked like he's four and a half year old or so and come in at 20 yards broadside, but there was a tree in the way that covered his, his vitals. And the only shot I had was a shoulder shot or a gut shot. And you know, archers, they're very ethical people. They make sure they have a good, a good vital shot before they take it. And I just couldn't get it. And he turned around and walked off behind. I never got a shot off at him. And, and just to be that close to a mature deer and he didn't, he never knew that I was there and just to watch him. That's just exciting. Whether you get the, whether you get a shot off at him or not. Yeah, and I think that's that. I think that's it for a lot of people. There's the the QDMA and the management of deer and things like that. And but I think for a lot of guys, it's it's partly that, but it's more so the challenge. I mean, it it's just plain and simple. Most of the time, it is. There's a reason that those bucks have lived as long as what they've done. They're hard to kill, and it is. Um, <laughs> it's hard to do so. So so how do you do it? <laughs> That, that's my question for you is how do you go about killing one of those old deer? Well, you know, I'm probably, I'm not an expert at it by any stretch. I've been fortunate enough to, to kill a few. I have friends of mine that are a lot more adept at, at getting close to and putting themselves in a position to kill big deer on a more of a regular basis than I am. Um, I guess my, my biggest thing is, is the, to play the wind if the wind's not right um don't hunt that stand if the wind's blowing back into their bedding area just 
you're better off staying at home than you are going out and getting a, getting into a stand that's going to um, alert the deer that you're there. And so, and that really wasn't the case with this buck that I killed there on the ninth. Um, a buddy of mine, his name's Bob McKittrick, and Bob and Stephanie just bought a, a piece of property here in Washington County back in February. It's not a large piece. I mean, to me, it's a large piece. It's 90 acres, and it had been timbered a few years ago, so it's you know it's pretty well it's pretty rough and hard hunting. You, your your vision is you can't see very far, and um, I had never hunted the property. He took me a, a tour of it here earlier this fall, just on his on his four wheeler or side by side, and so I didn't know anything about it. But he had offered me and a couple of other of our friends to come out and hunt, and I I was just kind of teasing him and saying I'd take him up on it sometime and he said come on and i really i've got places to hunt so i didn't need to go out and hunt there and but i decided to do it just because bob and stephanie are such great people and i i love hanging out with them and fellowshipping with them and spending time with them so i thought i'll go over and spend a, a saturday afternoon and evening hunting with them and i told him he had a couple of bucks on camera that he and his wife was wanting to get and i told him i said put me in a stand where I'm least likely to see, you know, a good deer, one that you're going to shoot. Cause I just come over to, you know, it's nice to have new scenery to hunt and spend some time with you. I, don't <laughs> wanna, I, did, I didn't want to shoot one of the deer that they had pegged for themselves. I really didn't. And so he put me on the, 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 a stand on the far end of his property. In fact, he was in that stand the, the night before and saw just a little eight point and I get out there, he puts me, I, I get out there about 8.30 and I climb up in the his, uh, ladder stand and I wasn't there two minutes and here come the little, a couple little fork torns out into his small food plot that he has back there and they were eating and they eventually left and he told me that to kind of keep an eye off to the, my right, there's a ridge back there that he's seen some deer come off of and about five o'clock I was watching i looked in that ridge and i saw antlers coming off that ridge but i got what i thought was a decent look at it and it wasn't anything special so i really wasn't all that fired up about it there's a bunch of brush and like i said i don't know the property so and it'd been logged and there was a bunch of brush about 50 yards away and it went into that brush and i could hear him down in there a little bit and then it just went silent and i didn't hear anything from him I didn't, uh, didn't know if he was even there because this went on for about 25 minutes where there was no sound whatsoever. And I didn't know if there was a logging road that went around the backside of that hill that he just, he went around because the wind was blowing straight into his food plot. And I thought, well, this buck, he's going around, circling around, get downwind of that food, food plot before he comes in. And if he does that, I'll never see him because he'll win me. And I was just getting ready to pull my doe call out and just make a couple of calls with it to see if he would respond. And I heard a noise down in those, that brush again. And I looked down and I saw a back of a deer coming through. And when he popped out of the brush and I saw him, I was, oh, man, he's a much better deer than what I thought. And he starts working his way up to me and he gets up to about 25 yards away from me. And I knew if he gets much closer, he's going to be downwind of me. And that never ends well with a mature buck. And But there was a tree literally like two feet in front of me. And when he went behind that tree, I was waiting for his nose to come out. And 
as soon as he got where I could, he had offered me a shot. I was going to draw Well, he never did come out. And I looked around the tree and he had turned around and he was headed back to where he came from. Mm. So I had to maneuver my bow around and shoot between two trees. And I was able to get, get drawn on him. But in the process of drawing, there's two trees there side by side and there's, there's little branches and things between them. And my bow's tanking off of those and, my arrow was making a little noise on those and he looked right up at me, but I don't think he saw me because of those trees. He allowed me to come to full draw and I was able to settle my pin, which is, you know, you're always in kind of a rush on a mature buck to get your pin settled on him because you can bolt at any time, especially when he's looking at you. And I was able to get my pin settled on him and made a good shot and he went down in about five seconds and it was, it's, you just never know what's going to happen when you're in the woods, you know, at that first second week of November. Mm. <laughs> that is incredible. So he, he, how far did he go? Well, he probably went about a hundred yards, but he did it in five seconds. Cause he's running down over a steep hill and, um, I watched him pile up. So, um, but if you're a bow hunter, you know, it, it, you can you can take their heart out with a good shot and they can go a hundred yards. So yeah, yeah. Oh man. And so, what's your thoughts? As you oh, did you how much time in that scenario where you see him pile up like that, or you you see him go? How long do you typically wait? Well, when I saw him go down, I could see him laying down there, and I knew I knew that when he went down, that he was that he was done and. I, I sent, uh, <laughs> I sent my, my friend, I sent Bob a text cause he was in a ground blind and I told him, I sent him the, you know, the BBD down text and <laughs> kinda, he, he didn't think I was serious. He, um, he said, he said, well, you seeing anything after I said that? And I said, yeah, I have one down. I, I watched it go down and he said, oh, he said, all right, I'll, I've got a few does at this, at my blind. I'll wait for them to clear out and then I'll then I'll, uh, I'll come and get you. And I said, no, you know, take your time. I said, it's, it's fine. And it was probably had another 15 minutes before it was past light anyway. So I just waited in the stand for him to get there because I've, I've never hunted with people before. This is the first time I've ever hunted with someone. And, and I was excited for them. They were that he owns the property and he and his wife came back and I think they were more excited about seeing this deer come off their property that they just purchased than I was about harvesting. They were so excited. <laughs> and what was really neat is they had never seen this deer before. It was never on camera. Oh, and wow. And that's another thing about the rut. You can have deer that show up on your property constantly before. And then when the rut starts, you know, it's a whole different ball game. You'll see deer that you've never seen before and there'll be deer that you've that you see on a regular basis on your property that just kind of disappears so you never know what's going to show up yeah that is absolutely true and i i I just love that i love that you were like you didn't really want to shoot a buck and then they're so excited that you did shoot a buck it's just uh, (laughs) a pretty cool story there perry it was really a blessing to all of us um and bob and stephanie are they're so cool they like i said they invited you know, a number of people over to hunt. And, and I told him, I said, I really don't want to come over and, you know, and shoot a buck at your place, Bob. And he says, look, he said, the Lord gave us this property, the, the deer on it belong to the Lord or the deer that passed through it that belong to the Lord. 
he said, we just, you know, we just like sharing what the Lord's blessed us with. And, and so, you know, I, I wow. thought I'll go over and just spend some time with them because they're a blessing to be around. Man, that is a really cool perspective to have. I, I think um, what comes to my mind is whenever I, I haven't hardly ran trail cameras. In fact, I haven't ran any trail cameras this year at all. And, but in previous years, I would get to know some of the bucks or whatever. And they're kind of this phrase started kind of coming out of my mouth. That's my buck, you know, or a buck that because I had pictures of them and I knew them and I had history. Um, there's this tendency to say, well, that's my deer or my buck, or you feel like you have some ownership of it just because it's on a property you hunt. But the reality is God does own it. Um, that is a really cool perspective that they have. Yeah. Like we always like to say, you know, that the verse in scripture that the Lord owns the cattle on a, a thousand hills and yeah. he owns the hills that they're on and everything under it and around it. So, um, it is a good perspective and they're very generous people and, you know, I just, I just love them. And it's been, it's, it really was a blessing to be able to, to share that time with them. Yeah. You know, Perry, I, I think anybody listening to this, they've, they've heard you talk and they've heard kind of your language and, and can tell that you, you are definitely a person that believes in, in God and in, in Christ and those kind of things. Has that always been uh, the case for you or what's kind of your story? I, I believe a few years ago I had you come and tell that story at the Wild Game Night, but it's been a couple of years. So uh, could you kind of give us a little bit of your, your background and, and what's led you to this point? Sure. Be, I'll be happy to. I, uh, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I, I grew up, my, my mom and dad taught us, you know, biblical principles, even though they, they didn't call them that, you know, honesty, integrity, and work hard and, you know, be a good person, that kind of thing. And, um, I had Christians in my life. My grandmother's the, uh, just a wonderful Christian woman. And I, we went to church with her as a, as a, as a child some. When I became a teenager, like a lot of teenagers that are taken to church, that if, if, you, if you don't accept the Lord as a young person, that as a teenager, you think you know better. And so you kind of go off and do your own thing. And I, I did that. And I, I joined the military when I was uh, 19 years old and went into the Air Force. And in my time that I spent in the Air Force, which was, you know, a fairly short period of time and for four years, the Lord put people and Christian people in my path to remind me of the things that I heard when I was a young person in church that, you know, that uh, there's 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 more to this life than just going about doing your own thing, that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, died on a cross of Calvary for your sins and that uh, you can you have an opportunity to accept him and live for him and accept that sacrifice that he did, or you have, you can pay for your sin your, yourself. Mm. And, and so in along the way, and I, the Lord sent me from England where I was stationed to Grand Forks Air Force Base in North Dakota. And, you know, I, it's not by chance that he, they put me in a, in a situation where I had constant contact with a, a solid Christian man that, um, had gotten and come to know the Lord through a, a church ministry there in Grand Forks. And he was inviting me to church and it took him about six months to, of inviting me just about every week before the Lord finally just prompted me to go. And I went and that was in December of 1985. And I started going to church and I started going to her on a regular basis. Cause I realized there was something 
that they had that I didn't, something that I was missing. And after a couple of months of being under, you know, just good, solid Bible preaching and teaching, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I got uh, baptized a couple of weeks later, and that was in February of 1986. And the Lord changed my life. I'm not the same person. Um, and the people that that knew me before just really trying to figure out what had happened to me people that i worked with in the air force you know what in the world happened to you you know you're not doing the same things that you know you've done your language is different your mindset your heart's different and it's all because of what the lord jesus christ did in my heart not anything that i did yeah yeah um Something just popped in my mind as you were talking about that, Perry. So you would say that in this amount of time, since 1985 until now, you've been able to mature. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, and that's, and that's, that's because, and, and I meet a lot of men with this Ironman outdoors that are men that claim to know the Lord, but they're not involved in a, in a, in a church, in a church ministry. They're not serving the Lord in any capacity. And, um, one of the things that helps you grow is to be involved in a church, a good Bible preaching church where you can go and, and, and worship the Lord with other like-minded people. And it gives you an opportunity to, to grow in the Lord in, in areas of ministry, your knowledge of, uh, of the Lord and his word, what he, you know, the things that he's, um, maybe not requires you to do well, some commandments that you're supposed to follow some things that you're supposed to do as a Christian to serve the Lord and, and to come closer and to, to come closer to God and be a more, um, godly person. Yeah. And it takes, it takes effort and it takes time, but it's all so worth it. Absolutely. Um, I, I think about, Oh, sorry, go ahead. God. No, I'm just saying you can, you can't outgive God the time that you spend with him and the time that you spend serving him and ministering for him, uh, you, you just can't outgive him. He blesses you tenfold. I I was thinking about how you said the, your appeal to going after a mature buck is that they've lived that long for a reason because they've grown, they've been challenged, and now they're they are um, <laughs> they're mature. And I think yeah. about we have an enemy, the devil, who's trying to wreck us, and sometimes we run around like little spikes, uh, <laughs> and we we put ourselves in the bad situations. But I think if we continue to grow in our faith, um, we can really grow in, into maturity like you're talking about. And so I think, I don't know, I was just kind of thinking about your, your desire to kind of go after mature deer and the fact that as, as men and women, we are to mature into Christ, and that's going to make us a, a harder target for the devil, right? Well, that's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, in Ephesians, it, it talks about the fiery darts of, of the devil. and and no Christian is immune to them, right. but you can certainly, you know, put on the armor that God gives you to protect yourself. And, and, and as you were saying, maturing in Christ is one of those. So you're not susceptible to every, everything that, that Satan or the world, the flesh and the devil throws at you. And, yeah. you know, I've had my fair share of that. My wife has too, with, um, certain things that have happened and, you know, and I know you have, experience some difficulty with you know family members with health and you know i have too and satan can use those things too to make us angry and make us bitter 
But if you're close to the Lord when those things happen and you're mature in the Lord, then you see where the Lord can use that to grow you, use that for areas of ministry, areas to glorify himself. And and that's what becoming mature in Christ is about. Absolutely. I I really appreciate you sharing that because I, I just think so many folks are like, yeah, I believe in God or yeah, I believe in Christ, but that's about as far as it goes. And, and there's no relationship, there's no growth, or maybe they, they kind of go to church, you know, once every so often and they see it more as a burden rather than that is what's going to help you, your relationship with the Lord, growing that and spending it. And, and you can never, <laughs> you can never get to the max level. Uh, we continue to grow. There's there's 80 year old men that I know that that I go to uh, spend time with at church that are still learning and still growing and still, uh, you know, developing as as Christians. And um, so I, I just I would challenge anybody that's listening to this and listening to Perry. I think we'd both encourage you, you know, whatever that next step is, you don't have to become. You know, you you don't go from a brand new Christian to a mature Christian overnight. It's you just take that next step, you know, and think about what that might be, and and God God will do that if you let Him. Yes, and the the thing about the Christian life is be obedient to the things that you know to be obedient to, and the Lord will show you the next step, and He'll lighten that path to the next step of obedience, the next step of growth, the next step of service whatever it is and and for the most for most people it's serving the lord in a in a local church or doing ministry for him it's n- not everybody that the lord saves is going to be a pastor or uh, a missionary most he need he needs people to 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 work in the fields right where they live yeah that's that's good advice, um, Perry. Uh, if guys want to check out Iron Man Outdoors, I believe the the website's IronManOutdoors.org, and yeah. you can get on there. And you guys are also, I believe, on Facebook and Instagram too, right? I think I follow you at both spots. That yes, that's correct. We're on Facebook, and we have a pretty good following uh, on Facebook, and we could certainly use some more people. And we're always encouraging even women. We've had a lot of ladies that follow us on there and a lot of ladies that have, that have, uh, and I'm sure you have this in your church as well, where we have, we have a lot of women that'll come. Some of the men won't, will not, they're not real faithful. And we've had ladies that'll come on and book a hunt for their husband to go on so that, uh, uh her, their husbands will have, uh, some, Oh, just some encounters with, men of God that will encourage them. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's good. Well, uh, Perry, what's, uh, what's the plan for the rest of the season? Are you, uh, on doe patrol now? Are you taking other people out or just kind of taking a break? Well, that's always the thing when you, when you, when you finally, when you get your buck, then you're kind of like, all right, now what do I do? I do have a doe tag, which I'll attempt to fill. Um, but, uh, and I, I think I'm going to, try to do that with a recurve. I've never taken a deer with a recurve. So I think that's my next project. A lot of my friends are going crossbows. So I'm, I'm going the other way. I'm <laughs> going, for, I'm going to go traditional. And so I'm going to, I'm going to try that, but, um, I, I like to squirrel hunt and do some rabbit hunting. And, and if it gets cold enough, I do some ice fishing. So, and I'm an outdoorsman, so there's always something to do. Absolutely. Oh, well, that's great. Well, I wish you good luck the rest of the season. I really appreciate coming on, sharing those stories with us, and also kind of sharing your story, uh, you know, uh, your relationship with the Lord. And uh, hopefully our paths cross again pretty soon, man. 
Next time I'm in Cutler, I'll stop by. <laughs> well, I hope we I hope we meet again too, Travis. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And again, I want to congratulate you on a on a nice buck. Your first one from a, a saddle tree stand. Yeah. Or stand. Yeah. So congratulations. Thanks, I appreciate it, buddy. And there you have it, uh, Perry. What a gentleman, great guy, and uh, definitely check out Iron Man Outdoors and see what they're doing. I encourage you, man, go on a hunt. I, I'm tempted to do it myself. Uh, it really looks like a great organization. Um, I want you to remember that those are not your deer. Those are the Lord's deer. I thought that was kind of a great takeaway from today. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Hope that you enjoyed it. If there's any way I can make it better or you have any suggestions, send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. If you've found any success this season or have any stories that you'd like to tell, I'd love to hear them. That's what this is all about. Come back next week. Uh, well, I might, might be able to drop two in a week. We'll see what happens um, for the next episode where I tell you about something exciting that happened this past week to me oh yeah remember to shed the light <laughs>